Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. And I have a special guest on today. Her name is Joy Larkins. Thank you so much for joining us, Joy. Thank Joy you. Joy is, yes, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, I connected with Joy uh, maybe a couple months ago, month and a yeah. half ago, um, and saw that she is a life coach for uh, narcissistic abuse, uh, which definitely sparked my interest and I thought would be a really great topic to have on the podcast, one that we don't really talk about that often. So Joy, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. So uh, my name is Joy Larkin. I am 31 years old. I am a native of Delaware. Um, I spent 11 years in California, you know, went to school and all that stuff, graduated from high school, junior college, started working and now I've been traveling all over the world, um, but I currently live in Rockford, Illinois, and I help people overcome narcissistic abuse. I've been dealing with narcissists since 2010, and since 2016, I have been helping people overcome narcissistic abuse. So. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So um, for anybody that's listening that has no clue what narcissism is, and maybe we've just kind of heard it as like a quick term, but we've never heard the definition, how would you describe narcissism? Uh, there's many ways um, to define narcissism, but what I found was that pretty much the pursuit of gratification from vanity or egotistical admiration of one's idolized self-image and attributes, or it could also be um, extreme self-involvement to the degree which makes a person ignore the needs of those around them, pretty much. Gotcha, gotcha. So what are some of the main traits of narcissism? So the main traits that um, what I've seen, there's four like kind of categories, but can kind of, you know, distinguish a narcissism and the traits. So it would be leadership, authority, superiority, arrogance, self-absorption, self-absorption and um, self-admiration and to exploit a person and they'll have um, a sense of entitlement. Now, you can also kind of break down the narcissism even further. So there's the grandiosity narcissism and there's the vulnerable narcissism. So the grandiosity is basically people with this behavior were treated as if they were superior and above others during childhood. So that's kind of like where that comes from. And then um, these expectations can follow them as they become adults and they tend to brag a lot and they tend to be like elitist. And they're also these kind of people, they're aggressive, they're dominant, you know, they exaggerate their importance and their self-confidence, which is nothing wrong with being self-confident, but they are not really sensitive to others and those around them. You know, there's a vulnerable um, narcissism, which means this behavior can result from childhood neglect and or abuse. People with this behavior are much more sensitive. Now, this type of behavior um, helps them protect themselves against feelings of inadequacy. And even, you know, they also kind of go back and forth from feeling superior and inferior. You know, they kind of battle with that a little bit um, with others. And then they feel offended or anxious when others, you know, don't treat them as special, you know. Wow. 
I definitely didn't know there was a vulnerable aspect to narcissism. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. So they flop between superiority and inferiority. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> can you have like traits of narcissism without necessarily having like the narcissism personality disorder? Yeah, I believe you can. I think that it's just to the extreme and like how often you're doing it, the frequency and how much over you're being with it. Like, you know, if you're being, you know, mean to others or you're bragging all the time, constantly like way too much and where you're hurting people or maybe even when you're exploiting people, then that would be like a narcissism. But like, if you're just maybe bragging from time to time, maybe you're like confident. People may feel like that's narcissism, but it's not necessarily to an extent, as long as you're not harming other people, and I'm um, hurting other people in the process of doing that. Because to an extent, we all kind of have to have just a little narcissism. We kind of have to be confident and believe in ourselves, but not where we're hurting other people or offending other people in the process. Right, right. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. So is narcissism necessarily associated with like any particular population? Like I read somewhere that men tend to have it more so than women, but are there any other populations that it affects? Yeah, I would say, yeah, more men, but it's interesting, like, there's a lot of women, I guess, that are kind of falling into that trap, too. But as far, you mean, like, ethnic group, you mean, or? Um, it could be, like, um, gender, ethnic group, gender. or maybe even career-wise, and I've heard, like, doctors tend to have it. Yes, um, like, doctors, lawyers, maybe even actors sometimes, uh, people, not all, but like some of the people in the entertainment industry are kind of prone to it because I lived in California for about 11 years. And the five years um, I lived with my aunt, who was a narcissist. And I remember like, you know, dealing with her, she was a narc. But then I remember I started driving for Lyft and Uber and I, I'd meet all kinds of people, all people all over the world. And I noticed the ones that were like in the entertainment industry, like acting, maybe even models sometimes or singers that were in that industry were kind of, you know, they had those traits and those characteristics that I seen and I experienced myself. So I would say it's more men for sure, yeah. more men that are prone to being narcissistic and people, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but like you would find a lot of them online. Like that's actually where I met my guy narc that I was dealing with. He wow. was, I met him on Twitter. So. Wow. Well, let's go back. I know you said that you lived with your aunt and you said your yes. aunt was a narcissist. So was that kind of the first time that you were dealing with almost like a, a relationship, like a personal relationship with somebody that had narcissism and kind of how did that affect you? Oh yeah, man. Um, I lived with her for five years. Um, it was great. I want to say for like the first year or two, um, I guess maybe because, well, the whole reason why I moved away was unfortunately my brother, he ended up getting killed. He got stabbed. Oh, I'm and, sorry. That's um, terrible. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, my dad pretty much told me, he's like, Joy, well, you're going to either live here, which is where I'm living at now. He was like, you're going to come with me in Rockford, Illinois and stay. Or he's like, well, you can go and live with your aunt in California. And I'm thinking I was 17 at the time. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to California. You know what? Who yeah. wouldn't say yes to California? You know what I mean? And yeah. so I went there and, you know, I was spoiled. I mean, I, I literally got anything and everything that I wanted. We went on vacations. We went out like every weekend to restaurants and she bought me anything that I wanted and it was pretty I didn't really need anything you know but I guess again once she felt like I was comfortable you know then she really just kind of started to show herself meaning you know she was always like so critical of me and always comparing herself to me and putting me down you know 
um, abusing me from time to time, emotional, mental, psychological. Yeah. So like how that affected me though, it just made me feel not trusting towards others, especially like women figures, not all. Cause you know, I have a lot of great women around me. Um, but I just, I felt like low about myself, like worthless. I felt like I deserved to be treated like that. Like if she treated me like that, she saw me as I mean, I was like her, she was guarding me, basically, like my legal guardian at the time. And I'm like, well, if she treated me like this, and that means everybody's going to treat me like this, or I, I deserve that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just felt like I, I didn't really have any much going on, and I wasn't going to be anything in life. That's what I really felt, you know, and I felt that that was my destiny, just to be abused, like, by people yeah. that I, I trusted and cared about, you know, so. And so that was, that's, that was an opposite feeling, I'm assuming, from when you got to California. So I mean, everybody yeah, gets to no. California with big dreams and, yes. you know, bright lights and everything, <laughs> and the beach. Because um, don't get me wrong, like, like I said, in the first two years was great, Ashley, like, it was mm-hmm. really good experience. Like I said, I would be going to the beach, like every weekend, like my friend, I mean, uh, well, I had ended up meeting some friends So we would go out that it's called the, um, the block of orange. So it's like this outside, like shopping mall center, you know, you just walk around and the kids like at the, our time, we were like 17, 18, you know, they would go around and just shop and eat and all that stuff. And um, like I said, we would go to Venice Beach. Santa Monica Pier those are pretty like hot attractions in California and just hang out and like I said we would travel a lot family vacations and family holidays she was a really good cook my mom was a very great cook and I really I admired her so much you know and I I loved her you know I thought that she loved me back you know and but prior to coming to California I was living in Delaware and I don't know I was kind of all over the place so I don't know maybe things kind of happened for a reason but um I was fine. I didn't have like, well, maybe my confidence wasn't the highest, but it wasn't like how it was after I left living with her. You know what I mean? Right, right. So yeah, it, it definitely took a toll on me. So I had a lot of work to do. Oh man, that's, it sounds very traumatic, but is it something that you noticed was happening once kind of the switch happened or did it take longer to kind of realize like, I'm becoming a different person than I was when I got here and like what's happening and how long did it take for you to stop necessarily like turning inward and and really think about the relationship and how it affected you? Oh, um, it was probably like a two year mark. Cause like I said, I got, I was doing a lot of great things. I was going to school and stuff and I was going to church at the time. And like I said, you know, it was fine. You know, everything was good. And uh, we had a really nice relationship. But then after, I want to say it was around Thanksgiving time of what year was this? 2000 and probably nine or 10. Mm-hmm. I noticed that she started to like be very hostile with me. And, you know, nothing that I did was ever good. Like she'd ask me to like wash some dishes and then she'll come back and she'd be like, oh, are you sure you wash this? This doesn't look clean. Or like I, she asked me to mop the floor or whatever. Mind you, like her oldest, I mean, I'm sorry, her youngest son was living with her at the same time. She never asked him. I mean, she did from time to time, but I guess she, maybe she felt like, oh, if I was living with her, I can help her with the house, which I didn't have a problem with. Like, of course, like you're helping me. I want to help you too. But it's like, when she asked me to like to mop the floor, she was like, this does not look mop. You need to remop this. Like, you know what I mean? So just not really appreciating the fact that I'm actually going out of my way to help her because I could have said no. I could have been like one of those like problem childs, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I was grateful to be there. And so, yeah, she, she didn't appreciate me. She was actually jealous of me, which is crazy. Cause I'm like literally a, a 
not a kid, but like a young adult. And she's like this older woman with a career, with a gated community house, three cars, married, Mm -hmm. two kids. And you think she'd be happy, but unfortunately she wasn't. She kind of took her frustrations out on me. And I I didn't think that that was right. I really didn't. Yeah. Is is jealousy another trait of narcissism? Yes. It's, It's more so like envious. Like they mm-hmm. compete with, especially the females, they're always like competing with you. And they always worried about how they look and if who's getting the most attention and they always want to control your life. They want to keep you codependent on them and they don't want you to get close to other people. So that way their power goes away. They always want to keep the control. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's crazy. And they're manipulative, manipulating the situation for their own gain, for their own benefit without caring about who it hurts. And it's just, there's no empathy. There's no empathy, no love involved. And they're always just trying to make themselves feel better about themselves by putting other people down or hurting other people. So where, where does the line, where is the line between like being a narcissist and then being an abusive narcissist is there a line um a narcissist and an abusive narcissist i think they're they're both similar to me i mean because all narcissists are abusive like that's just what it is to be a narc like because a phase in a relationship with a narcissist you have it's called like love bombing and you have grooming so it's Mm -hmm. like you know they're kind of filling you out see if you're going to be a good victim a good supply somebody that they can use somebody that they can abuse if you would put up with it and then it goes to the devaluation stage where, you know, you went from being on that pedestal and then they bring you down. You know, they're cutting at your confidence, your self-esteem. Nothing you do is right. You're in the wrong. You're a bad person. You're crazy. You're stupid. You're fat. You're lazy. And then it goes to the end part where they discard you and you never hear from them again. Or they're like playing hot and cold. They ghost you. So regardless, you're being abused, whether you're a narc or an abusive narc, it's the same thing. But you do have those, I guess you would call them the overt narcs, which they're just out there. You know, they don't care. They want you to know that they're narcissists. And then like, because there's the covert and then there's the the overt. So I guess the overt would be, yeah, that you can look at them in public and be like, yeah, that's a narc. You know what I mean? Right. So the covert is probably more dangerous because you just don't see it coming. Yes. Yeah, they're they're very like silent and hidden. They they abuse you behind closed doors, unfortunately. And on the outside, everybody thinks, oh, they're just a sweet person. Oh, they're this nice, handsome guy or this wonderful woman. And behind closed doors, you know the real them, and that, that's why you're confused. You're like, wait, why are they so mean and horrible to me? And I'm actually living with them. I'm their family. I'm their friend. But then they're nice yeah. to strangers. They're nice to people that they don't even know. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's usually how that works, unfortunately. Wow. So let's fast forward a little bit you said that you met a guy on twitter and that you kind of got into another relationship with a narcissist so how did that happen and was this during the time where you're living with your aunt or was this after that yeah so he was actually um a music producer and i i was referring to the um tv show i don't know if you remember or not you might be a little younger than me (laughs) but um it was called making a band and it would come on oh yes yes I know making the band and like Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the whole like Vanity King. Yes. And, um, what was what that was other the boys one? Boys. Uh, uh, oh, uh, day twenty six. Yes, day twenty six. Day twenty six. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I just kind of got like an inspiration from that. I was just like, that would be so cool to like make my own music because I had you know, grew up singing in church choirs and went to high school and sang and all that stuff. And so um, I saw him on YouTube and I was like, oh, like he makes music like for a living and he makes beats and all that stuff. So that really intrigued me. 
So I reached out to him. He was like cool about it. And he was like, hey, follow me on Twitter. And then, um, you know, we kind of started to build like a little like soul friendship. And then we talked on the phone a few times. And he was like, hey, come and visit me. And I can kind of like show you, you know, how to make music, blah, blah, blah. And um, excuse me, at the time, um, I was living in Orange County, like I said, with my aunt. So, and he lived all the way in North Hollywood. And I don't know if you know that distance, but that's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up in Vegas and spent like a ton of time in California. So I'm oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I love Vegas, by the way. But anyway. Who um, doesn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so I had that um, connection with him and slowly but surely we start to like get to know each other and you know I fell in love with him and um long story short he ended up telling me he he told me he was single in the beginning but I found out three months later that he was actually in a relationship and that he lied to me so yeah that that was pretty heartbreaking I should have just took that as a red flag to just leave it's it's done it's over with when someone shows you who they are and believe them them. Mm -hmm. who said that Maya Angelou I think she said Ah, I think so that's true though that's true but yeah that's how um I met him and it, it kind of went downhill from there so yeah wow so so what kind of happened after that three month mark um and you decided to keep pursuing the relationship with yeah. him and the music career mm-hmm. so basically yeah so I decided to keep getting to know him because again I was super young I was 21 31 now like I said but at the time I was thinking like oh well I mean he's talking to me so obviously it means he wants to be with me so I was thinking like he must is gonna leave his girlfriend um he never did but I, th- I think he ended up leaving her like after the fact because he pretty much was trying to ask me to be like a side chick he wanted for me to still continue to deal with him and be intimate with him while he had a girlfriend he told me that his girlfriend said that she was okay with it as long as he was taking care of her she was fine and I'm like well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, but like I said, um, you know, we had this one time where he was basically asking me and I was just like, oh no. And he got upset. They call it a narc injury. And I didn't think I was going to hear from him ever again. Cause he acted like he was just kind of sulking and like, he was just so hurt and gave me like this little fake hug. Cause we would usually give each other hugs and he gave me like a half a hug that night. And I was like, okay, I guess that's it. But he ended up reaching back out to me two weeks later and we still were cool. We were still, I was still learning about the music business. I was learning about how to make beats and I still do. I, I still do have that interest. It's just after I stopped dealing with him, he kind of like killed my dreams just a little bit, not all the way. Yeah. But uh, I guess he was trying to get me back for me, like turning him down or me rejecting him. Like, he didn't like that. And from that point in time, he was basically like kind of future faking me, leading me on, pretending like we were going to be in a relationship. Um, and like I said, I was young. I, I didn't know that if somebody is not going to be with you now then they're never going to be with you. They're never going to just wake up and be like, oh, okay, I want to be with you. Like they would right. make that decision right then and there, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, as time went on, maybe I would say like a couple years, honestly, like maybe because we were talking together, knowing each other for like four year period. But then I finally ended up getting my own place. And I, again, I, I kind of saw him as a mentor. I saw him as someone that kind of taught me the ropes in, in regards to the music industry. So I was like letting him know, like, yeah, I finally moved in my place and this, this and that. It's like, I would love for you to come by, you know, not thinking much of it, but I always remembered in his mind, he told me, he was like, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for a girl like yourself. You know, I would love to be with someone like you, but I didn't realize like that's just game. Like if he wanted to be with me, he would be with me, you know? And so um, I'll never forget this. This is 2014 of March. And um, I remember I reached out to him and I told him to, you know, 
hey, come by or whatever. And he was like, yeah. Um, he was like, I can't come today, but I'll let you know when I'm in town or when I can do it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay. And then, Ashley, I remember this. I went on Facebook. Something just told me to go on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I went on Facebook and it said that he was in a relationship. And I'm like, what? You're in a relationship? Right. I'm like, I know he's not in a relationship with me because right. he never asked me to be his girlfriend, you know? And so um, I just, I was kind of hurt because I was like, well, did you just kind of just leave me on, play me uh, in a way, you know, try to make me feel like you wanted to be with me, but you really didn't, but you were just kind of plotting against me low key, you know, mm-hmm. which essentially that's what narcissists do, especially if you give them a narc injury or you turn them down or you fragile their ego in a way. Um, but yeah, I found out that he had a new supply, which is, you know, a new girlfriend, but it wasn't new. It was new to me, but it wasn't new to him, obviously. Right. But anyway, um, yeah, he and then he actually reached out to me like a week later and he was like, hey, um, would you want to like meet up? And I, I told him no, because he kind of knew why I said that. But he, I basically just cut him off pretty much. And then what happened was, I think it was like a week later, he posted a picture up of the girl on his page. He never did this, like yeah. ever, you know, never posted pictures of of him and his the previous girl he was with or anything like that never posted pictures of me but as soon as I pr- basically said like oh okay like I'm good like I don't want you to come I'm I'm cool like I pretty it's over pretty much and yeah he he it posted um it said my chick bad and it was a picture of the girl and then comments underneath they were like oh she's so sweet can't wait for her to meet the family and that crushed me that really did yeah. and just to kind of fast forward just a little bit I'm almost finished so yeah, yeah. after that I didn't reach out to him for a while because I was hurting it, that was hurtful because I was in love with him and he knew that you know and so I reached out and I was just like hey how you doing long time no here and he was like oh I know you see my Facebook post so it's like he knew exactly what he was doing right. you know what I mean and I was like yeah I've seen it and he was just like oh did I kill your dreams that's what he literally said to me because that's what he wanted to do you know and so I told him no but deep down it was hurtful I'm not gonna lie like I went it was one of the worst times in my life I would say besides my brother getting killed um that would probably be like the second worst times in my life because I really had to go deep inside and heal myself you know and it was it was painful and I, I had to do it by myself. But I mean, granted, I had God, but I was it was just me by myself yeah. in my apartment. And like I said, at the time, my aunt, she was so at the, I didn't know that she was a narc. But again, I knew it was just something that was off, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. And that, that was very hurtful for me to experience. So. Yeah, that's terrible. That's really hard to go through, like, especially being so young and and being on your own. It's so easy to get caught up and not, especially when you don't really have anybody around you that's kind of giving you like kind of that friend that is giving you the side eye like, girl, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't answer the phone. Don't go on his Facebook. But you talked a lot about a narc injury or like yes. a narcissistic injury. Like how, how do you describe that? Like, what is that? So a narc injury is basically something that occurs when you shatter the, the narc's ego. Like if you do something and they don't approve of it, you do something and they don't like it and it hurts them, I guess. Cause they're, they're very sensitive people as well, you know, cause they've been through things in, in their past, but they just haven't gotten the help. So they just decided to be a certain way and just present themselves to the world in this way. But 
Um, yeah, you, you basically, you just shatter their, their ego and you, you do something that they don't like and that, yeah. that causes them to have an injury and they want to get you back. They don't, they won't tell you though, that you've done this, but you, you can kind of feel it, but you won't know like when they're going to like try to get you back. It just, it just happens out of nowhere. Kind of like with me, you know? So, yeah. So what does that backlash look like? Like something happens in the relationship and the narc injury happens and like what does the the backlash typically look like is that where the emotional abuse comes in or like the manipulation yeah the yeah the emotional abuse the manipulation i remember this was i want to say this was in 2010 i remember he basically said like oh joy um did you want to continue like doing what we're doing or did you just solely just want to be friends i think because it's funny i always mention this on my youtube videos but me and narc we were never in like we never had sex or anything like that but we we know we would kiss and cuddle and stuff like that but nothing ever like to that extreme we were close to doing it and I think that night he wanted to but I just thought like well he has a girlfriend and I just if that was me I wouldn't want to like have that happen or have somebody come on to my man like that you know so um but yeah after that happened I remember he got up and he stormed into the kitchen he like slammed the cabin door yeah it was pretty scary and then even prior to that and then this is literally the most scariest thing that I ever experienced but it never happened to anybody besides him and that's why like I said I knew he was not a normal person but like during the whole time that I was there he was trying to convince me to be a side chick trying to convince me to kind of be in this it's kind of like a situation shit basically and you know he was kind of eyeing me down staring me down he literally actually was looking at me in my eyes without blinking for like a good 30 seconds yeah just no blinking, just staring at me, you know, and yeah, it was the scariest thing. And at first I was thinking like, oh, you know, maybe he's just showing me attention, showing me that he likes me. He likes what he's seeing. You know what I mean? He must but really I, like it. If he's not- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I came to realize that that they call it the narcissistic stare and also could be a um, result of an injury as well, where they're just like, oh, I'm going to get you know what I mean? So wow, that's so interesting. A narcissistic stare. I've never heard of that. Yep. Where they're they're not blinking. There's no emotion. And I remember it, it was, I don't know, like I was thinking like, okay, is he going to look away? Am I supposed to look away? Like, and I finally looked away and then he finally looked away too. Like it was going on for a while. Cause you're not like, you, you're always blinking. Like you have to yeah. blink. But, like, <laughs> but imagine he's like not blinking and just looking at somebody dead in their eyes. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was, yeah, yeah something that I wouldn't wish on anybody to experience. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to have anybody looking at you like that. That's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so I know the other piece that you talked about earlier was love bombing. And I've kind of heard this term, but can you kind of go go a little bit more into what the love bombing looks like? Because I'm sure there are people out there experiencing it. Yeah, love bombing is basically in the beginning of the relationship. It's also kind of grooming too, but um, they are just giving you all this attention, all this admiration. You can't do anything wrong. You're just so perfect. You know, you're just so, I mean, not saying that they're not beautiful, but they're just saying like, oh, you're overly beautiful, you know, and just doing everything to impress you, you know know and just just showing you off or showing out and yeah just making you feel like you're the only person that the the narc would ever talk to and 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 is talking to it's like they're just doing this um in the beginning 
um, because they want to see if you're a good target, a good victim for the abuse. Wow. If you're going to be able to, um, to put up with it, you know, they look for certain characteristics, like, you know, people that are, could be caregivers, people that want to help. Also, sometimes people, they like that want to rescue other people. You know what I mean? That mm. kind of have that type of personality where like, yeah, they, they may put other people before them. They could be like a people pleaser. Those are the kind of characteristics that they really look for. Maybe people that don't really have standards. That's what they usually look for in the beginning when they're love bombing you so wow so i'm is it possible like is it common if you have been in a narcissistic relationship to kind of continue that cycle with other narcissists because maybe you haven't clocked that that's a narcissist and Mm -hmm. you've kind of become i don't want to say become a victim but you've kind of become like a magnet for narcissists in a way yeah. yeah, I actually have a video on that on um, are you a magnet for narcissism and how to know but uh, yeah, um, it's, it's possible, especially if you are not recognizing your own patterns in relationships, whether it could be codependencies or low value, low self worth, low self, no self love for yourself. Yeah, it, it's definitely possible that um, you could become a magnet and um, you could just kind of stay stuck and just feel like, oh, this is just is what it is, you know, just because maybe that's all you knew or maybe you haven't really dug deep into seeing like, okay, maybe I need to like work on myself and figure out what I am not seeing in myself that needs to be fixed or worked on instead of, you know, continuing to attract narcissists over and over and over again. Right. So let's say once somebody has like they figured out, they've identified that the person that they're with um, or maybe the family member that they're around a lot is a narcissist and they've decided to like remove themselves from that situation. Like what are the next steps to recovery? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So what I would say is really educating yourself on what has happened. That's really what I did. You know, I would type things that or phrases that the narcissist would say to me and it came up as narcissistic personality disorder. And I was thinking like, oh my God, this was a narc, like, you know? But the next thing is, is just reading. Uh, Read a lot about, you know, like self-love, as I mentioned before, self-esteem, self-value, your worth. Learn about who you are. Like some books that I would recommend, um, which were some books I think that honestly saved my life were, I think it was uh, Les Brown, You Can um, Live Your Dreams. Louise Hayes can heal your life. Um, the Alchemist, um, The Four Agreements, A New Earth. Mm-hmm. Really, a lot of good books. On um, the Power of Now, The Seat of the Soul, are is another great book. Science of Getting Rich. I know it's kind of random, but I read all of that. Rich Dad Poor Dad was another great one because you also have to work on your mentality, like your mindset as well. Yeah. You know, and um, but yeah, learn about childhood traumas, learn about codependencies. You know, PTSD. CPTSD, all those things that we kind of go through after dealing with narcissists. Forgive yourself. You also have to forgive your parents because maybe you could have learned those behavior patterns and learned those relationship patterns from your parents. So that's that's honestly what I had to do as well. I mean, it was hard because I didn't want to like blame them, you know, but I also just wanted to acknowledge how I felt and how it affected me as an adult, you know, but also you, you want to kind of begin to turn the focus away from the narc and turn it on to yourself because at the end of the day, yeah, the narc did play a part, but you also played a part too. You know what I mean? Um, so kind of just taking that responsibility for what happened at the same time and just work on yourself and get a hobby is also mm-hmm. great too. find out, you know, what do you like to do? What makes you happy? What are you passionate about? You know, grief as well. That's, that's a, a hard one because most people don't want to feel their feelings. It's kind of scary. And I'm not going to lie. I was scared, <laughs> you know, scary. <laughs> yeah, it really is scary. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and also seek support. I know a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, asking for help is weak or they may feel like it's a burden, but it's not. I feel like seeking support and seeking help is you are seeing that, okay, there is a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, I do need to change. I, it's not, I don't have everything figured out and that's okay. You know, so definitely seek support, whether if it's a coach or it's a counselor, or even if it's a trusted friend or a family member, or some people don't feel comfortable talking to their family and friends about it. So they want to talk to like a professional. I recommend that, um, you know, and give your, uh, give yourself time to heal as much as you can. It's not overnight. You know, healing is not overnight, uh, but just take your time. Don't date for a while. You know, I, I, don't, I never recommend. I don't know if you know that quote. It's called in order to get over someone, get under someone. Get under someone. Yes. Yeah. I, I have heard that. That's very toxic, but I have heard it. And I may, and I've suggested it to a couple friends because I'm like, maybe I wasn't yeah. the best suggestion back in the day. No, I mean, I think that's good for like temporarily. But I think like in the long end, I think it's good to be by yourself. And, and I know that it, it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. because a lot of us were used to being in a relationship. So we're, we're used to being underneath someone, but it's like, we have to get to know ourselves. Like that is the biggest thing. And that's really what helped me to kind of just, you know, heal and move on and just forgive myself and forgive those that I felt like that hurt me, you know? And um, yeah, just learn how to be single on your own, learn how to be happy from within. So that's what I'd say. Yes, I love that. Happy from within, <laughs> definitely. So what inspired you to become a life coach for narcissistic abuse? Like, How did that happen? Yeah, so basically after, um, I think this was in 2016, that's when I started. But I just remember like um, at the time I, I had roommates and um, I was thinking like I was so hurt still. Like, yeah. although, you know, I had begun to talk to a few people, I went no contact with my aunt. I went no contact with my male narc. And I actually got involved with a borderline. Thank God I only met him for like, I was working with him. I was dealing with him for four months. Um, And they're similar to narcissists. The only thing with them is that they can love, they can get it. They have empathy, but they are uh, abusive emotionally, mentally, but being attached is their thing. So if they meet you, they want to just get attached to you like super quick. They don't want you to walk away or what it is that they'll try to abandon you before you abandon them. They have abandonment issues. That's right. Their- and you're talking about borderline personality disorder, right? Yeah. They're, they're still, they're similar to narcs, but, but the borderline, they actually, they can love, they do have empathy. That's the difference between the two. What inspired me, like I said, I was hurting and I, I didn't know how to heal. And I felt like, you know, well, if I could share my message then I'm sure maybe it would help somebody. I was thinking like, man, I know I'm not the only one that has experienced this. You know what I mean? So uh, what I did was I had already had a YouTube following already, like on my YouTube channel, I had been involved in like marketing and network kind of stuff and promotion advertisements. So I had a following, but this message, it was a little different because it was a little bit more personal. And I don't think that a lot of people knew that I had gone through this because I was very quiet about it. I I felt embarrassed. I felt very humiliated about it, to be honest. And so I just thought like, okay, well, let me just make a video talking about what I went through with my aunt and what I had went through with the male narc. And so I did that and it it got great response. Like people was like, oh, thank you so much for sharing your message. This really did help me. Thank you. But there was one one video in particular, it was called um, The Narcissist Has a New Girlfriend, New Supply. Um, when I posted that video, that video went viral. It got about 10,000 views within a two-week period. 
Wow. And it had, yeah. <laughs> and it had about 60 comments and, I, and people were like, oh my gosh, Joy, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, you really helped me heal. You really helped me to move on. Thank you. This message was so inspirational. You're so strong. Please continue to keep doing what you're doing. And I felt like, okay, wow, then maybe I can help more people, you know, overcome what I went through. And so that's mm -hmm. really the inspiration by me becoming a life coach to help people with narc abuse. So. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, people definitely need people like yourself to not ha that have not only been through it, but are able to kind of help them through it as well. So yeah. that's super important. So one question that I started asking at the end of every episode is what affirmation would you give your younger self? Oh, that's beautiful. A affirmation that I would give myself. I would just say that your past doesn't define you. Nobody's perfect and it's okay to make mistakes in life. And last uh, not everyone is like you and that is okay. It's kind of a long one, but yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. I <laughs> love that. Not everyone is like you and that's okay. That's awesome. So uh, for anybody that's listening, so what, to let them know how they can reach you, Instagram, YouTube, if they want to reach out to you for coaching, go ahead and let the people know. <laughs> So um, all social media, so like um, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, Twitter are all uh, Live Narc Free. They would, if you would like to reach out for me um, for coaching, you can visit my website at www.livenarcfree.com and you just select where it says 90 Day Coaching. I also do sessions. So you can do like an introductory session or you can do a pay-as-you-go session. I also have four-week sessions where I work with you for a month. I also have eight-week sessions. And with the 90-day coaching program, I do work with you for a 90-day period. Now, I do have um, two of those 90-day coaching programs. So it's the Overcome Narcissistic Abuse and also have Turn Your Pain Into Power. So if any of you guys are interested, I, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also reach me via email, which would be at um, livenarcfree9 at gmail.com. And so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to put all of the contacts in the description. Be sure to give her a follow. That's livenarcfree, L-I-V. N-A-R-C free on all those platforms. We'll definitely make sure that we are shouting you out. But yeah, you'll be able to find all the information for Joy below in the description. Make sure to give her a follow, keep up with her and reach out to her if you're interested in coaching. But thank you again. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Have a good one. so much for listening to another episode of black girls have anxiety too no matter where you are in the world i really appreciate your support see you again on the next episode but until then follow us on instagram at black girls have anxiety too and on twitter at anxious black girls that's anxious blk girls and remember just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence the more we talk about it the more we heal Is it too